I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle and I'm here with Karen. Hello. We are going to be talking more about Writer's Workshop today. So Michelle, I wrote Writer's Workshop, but you have started using it mostly this year. You did a little bit last year as it started to come out, but you've worked on it more and more with your boys this year. Do you have anything that's come up that you feel like you're confused about with Writer's Workshop? Well, to me, mostly I get it, I think. It's it's pretty straightforward and it's easy to pick out ex, um, exercises for my kids to do and work on. But I do have a little bit of trouble when it comes to kind of planning on, like you talk about watching your kids and their writing, and then you plan the next step based on where the kids are at in their writing. So I still struggle a bit with, I guess, assessing where my kids are and maybe looking at, okay, what do they need to work on? So one of the difficult things about Writer's Workshop for people to grasp is the lack of planning that it involves. And it's a little bit the same way that we approach reading. When you are deciding what to read aloud to your kids during the school year, do you sit there and meticulously plan every single book and every activity and all the things that you're going to do in reading? No, of course not. So why not? Why don't you do that? Because it's we want to read what we're in the mood for. Sometimes the kids will have something that they're interested in and and I don't know how much we're going to get through necessarily. I don't plan it out bit by bit. It's more spontaneous. So that is exactly the same way that I approach writing. I really don't meticulously plan out writing. And a lot of people will ask me, how do you plan a writer's workshop unit? And today I want to explain that I planned the writer's workshop unit for you. When you purchase it, what you're purchasing is the plan. So you don't need to meticulously plan out what you're going to do each day. Just in the same way that you read based on your mood, people write based on their mood, their experiences, their ideas that are in their brain at that moment. Writing is not a content subject. Like history, you're actually learning a specific content, right? But in writing, you have to approach it a little bit more like you would approach an art. Yes, you are developing skills, but the content that comes, comes from your kids, not from your plan. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you then address maybe some of the weaknesses? How do you even spot the weaknesses and then how do you address them in, the, in your kids' writing? How do you help them grow? I think that it can be a little bit tricky to spot weaknesses if writing is not your strong suit. For example, if you don't know comma rules, how are you going to notice if your kids are violating comma rules, right? You're, you're not going to notice. That can be a real struggle. So I think my answer to that is that as your kids learn comma rules, it becomes your responsibility to learn those along with them. You don't have to know everything going in, but everything that you've learned so far in your writer's workshop, that is what your kids are then responsible for. So you should know it because you went through it together with them. So in other words, if they're young or inexperienced writers and they're not putting commas in, we ignore that until we have learned about commas. Right. You're not going to worry about it. I mean, if you want to say, you know what? I think that some of your sentences need commas. Let's go ahead and look at some comma rules and see if we can learn them together. It's completely fine for you not to know all of the comma rules. And yes, your kids don't have to know every single grammar, spelling, convention rule from the beginning. 
that's not an important part of writing. The most important part of writing is what's in their mind. It's their message, their content that is coming from them. The conventions that come will be something that you build on bit by bit. And they do come throughout the mini lessons within Writer's Workshop. They will come naturally if you're utilizing those mini lesson sidebars. But if you're curious about it, it's not very hard for you to go and look up comma rules. You will come across them in Writer's Workshop, but if you feel like, wow, I think we need to approach that. Well, and there are YouTube videos that teach that kind of stuff, right? And and then there's websites, and you can also get a grammar book if, yeah, you, if we, you need a reference. We have a grammar handbook that sits there, and I mean, I don't really have to use it much because I'm pretty well versed in comma rules, but I understand that not everyone is. It's completely fine for you to not even worry about it. Do you worry about your kindergartner who is just learning letter formation if they misspell one word? You celebrate it anyway. So I will say right now I'm looking at a note that my son wrote to me and he typed this. It was one of his first typed messages and he didn't do this this year. It was a while ago, but he wrote this and it says, I love my mom. She loves me too. She is the best mom ever. She would do anything for me. She is the best worker ever. Love Jason. I love you, mom. And then it has a big heart that he drew on it. And I hung that up by my desk. And if I were going to be nitpicky, I would tell you that he wrote, she loves me too. And his loves had an apostrophe. That's incorrect. It doesn't belong there. I would tell you that he is lacking periods and capital letters to begin sentences. He wrote, she would do anything for me. And the would is spelled W-O-O-D, like lumber, instead of she would do anything for me. He handed that to me. Do you think that I turned around, marked it up with red pen and handed it back to him? Or do you think that I was just celebrating the sweet note that my son wrote to me? Okay, that's, I agree. But then how do you help him just move from this to the next step? You, you just like on the next lesson, you go, okay, well, maybe we should learn what is a sentence and where to put periods. Like, is that how you do it? So that is where my planner comes in. I just read you his little note and I mentioned that he is lacking some periods and capital letters. So in my writer's workshop planner page, I make a little note to myself. Let's talk about periods and capital letters. And at some point in time over the next week or month, probably over the course of several lessons, we'll start to learn about that. Now, something that I don't do is pull out that sweet note that he gave me and say, I want you to fix this. Now, if it were something that weren't a note, that weren't as meaningful, I might say, hey, let's find the spot where the periods go in this, and we could go over that together. I don't ever want to steal his message and just put the rules into place. The message is more important, because if he feels good about that message, he's going to be much more ready to write again, whereas if I'm just stamping out all of his creativity and telling him what he did wrong, he's not going to type any more notes to me. So... I prioritize the message, but I do notice, oh, look, he's lacking his periods. So let's have a little lesson on that and talk about where periods go at the end of a sentence. Okay, so for me, mechanics are actually pretty easy. I know the mechanics rules, which is what you're talking about with periods and commas and stuff. I think tougher for me is things that are more, I guess, just improved writing, like word choice, for example. Mm -hmm. those Those kinds of things, making more varied sentences. That's... I have a hard time 
helping my kids to go from point A to point B. Although I think Writer's Workshop is doing that little by little, but like I don't know how to put notes in for things like that or, you know, to keep, keep track of that, I guess. I would say that a really useful tool is the rubric that's included in each of the Writer's Workshop units. So as part of the printable pack, you'll find a rubric that is specific to that genre of writing. So if you're doing reports and essays, it shows you what you're looking for exactly in a report and an essay. And each of the rubrics is based on the six traits of writing. So in each one, you're going to be looking at what ideas and content are we looking for in a report or essay? What organization are we looking for? And it has little clues for you right on the rubric of exactly what you're looking for. Now, you might think that you can hand that rubric to your kids and you've done your job. You haven't. You need to look at the rubric, talk about that with them, talk about when they're writing what it is that makes an effective report or essay. Okay, so let's say, Michelle, that your kids are learning from the descriptions and instructions unit. No matter what they're writing, they can improve. So if a famous author were going to improve their description in a passage, they could do it as much as the first grader. We all have something that we can improve in our writing. So it's not like when you are looking for improvement spots, you're saying they aren't good enough, but we're going to reach that. We're all on a continual progression of improvement, right? Yeah, so so that's that's actually nice to know because you don't have to worry about grade level. You're just worrying about progress, right? Like they're just getting better than they were yesterday, not you have to be up to this specific point at this point in time. And Yeah, especially with artistic pursuits like writing. It can't be something where you're saying, oh, we checked all the boxes and you're done. You can always improve your writing. So these rubrics are just a really good guide to help you know what you're looking for as the teacher parent and also what your kids are striving for as the writer. So you can kind of go through it with them and and just kind of talk about each of the six traits of writing and what you're looking for in that genre. So if you were going to do descriptions and instructions, for example, if I am talking to my kids about ideas and content, we could actually open up the rubric and read some of the different descriptions of ideas and content. So a one score says your description is lacking and it's difficult to understand. So you might look at something that they've written throughout the unit and say, you know, I'm having a hard time understanding what you're writing about here. So how can we make that better? So you're just spotting ways to improve. You're not necessarily spotting a problem even. You're just spotting a potential improvement, which all of us have. And and you're doing that keeping in mind their age and their ability and, and that kind of stuff. So like if you if you have a child describing how to make a peanut butter sandwich, you're going to expect a different level from your older kids and from your younger. I mean, right. But every single one of them can improve somehow. So you just are looking for, okay, what could this child, what's the next little tiny step that this child could make? Yeah. And you'll see this within the exercises and you'll also see it within the mini lessons, but the rubric is a really good guide for you also. So if you scoot over on the ideas and content and you look at a three score, so this is better than a one, but not, not a five, which is the top score. So under three, it says your descriptions are either a little lacking or a little too wordy. Strike a balance. So that would be a really good opportunity for me to tell my kids what wordiness is in writing. And I might just make a note in my planner, you know, 
they seem a little bit wordy. And then we have kind of a mini lesson or just a little discussion about what wordiness is in writing. There's an exercise in there where they actually go through and they cross out words and they basically narrow down the word count on a passage that's within the unit. So if I'm noticing that my kids are a little wordy, we might choose that exercise. But I wouldn't necessarily use that one for a kid who I can barely get to write a sentence. You know, they're, they're having the opposite problem of being wordy. They're not writing anything. I wouldn't choose that exercise. And that's why I don't always meticulously pre-plan everything in writer's workshop. Because it's really going to depend on what it is your kids are writing. How they're approaching the unit. How much they're doing what their weaknesses and strengths are. You need to tailor it as you go. So do you ever give a perfect score on any writing or do you always kind of think, well, they could always improve, so... No, I I give a perfect score on writing often because that means that they met what they need to do right now. Now, I will say this. If I were to ask my son who gave me this note, this sweet note that he spelled wood, W-O-O-D, when it should have been W-O-U-L-D... If I handed that to him right now, he would look at it and chuckle and laugh and he'd be able to do it correctly because he gave this to me a couple years ago and I thought it was so sweet and cute that I kept it and I hung it up by my desk. He has grown as a writer since then and even though he might still make some mistakes, he wouldn't make the same mistakes. He's grown naturally without me having to red pen his letter that he wrote to me. So you're always going to be improving, but your score is based on kind of where they're at at the moment. And only you can judge that. Even in a classroom, you'll see that teachers will give an A out to a variety of students. And some of them will not actually be the same caliber of work as the other A student. But the teacher knows them well enough to know that they are at that moment writing up to their potential. Because... Even in the same grade, when kids are the same age, they don't all have immediately the same exact potential in that moment. And teachers are just as aware of that as parents are. So just like that, you're looking at, okay, is this kid improving? Is he or she growing in this and working up to potential? Or is this just laziness or something that we really need to put more time into? And you can know that just by knowing your kids. Okay, so... As you're going through the unit doing all these little exercises, you as the parent teacher are keeping that rubric in mind, mm-hmm. maybe. But you're not actually using it to grade each of their little exercises, right? I mean, you only grade the final project at the end. Right. And one of the steps along the writing process is, well, actually two of the steps involve this, both revising and editing. That is a really good time to actually pull out the rubric with the kid. And you're saying, okay, this is kind of what you've got for your rough draft, sloppy copy type version. Let's take a look at the rubric together and see where we can improve. And no matter what level they're on, they can improve, remember? So they're just kind of able to use that as a guide. So as you're going along, you're not thinking in your mind like, if they did three pages of an essay, that's enough. Because there's more to it than just length of writing. I I will tell you a story. I was in a history class many years ago. This was when I was in junior high. So this is a long time ago. Just a couple of years. (laughs) A few years ago. (laughs) And my history teacher basically 
assigned us an eight-page paper, which in junior high, that's, that's a long that's big. paper. Yeah. It was, it was an honors class, and it was not an easy class. He had high expectations. And it was based on World War II, and we could choose any subject we wanted under the umbrella of World War II. But we had to choose a specific subject. We weren't writing just about all of the war. It was supposed to be narrowed kind of a, a research yeah. type paper that we yeah narrowed in on a subject. And he pulled out this paper and he handed it to us. And sure enough, it was an eight page paper. And he said, okay, we're going to read this together. And I'm going to let you guys grade it. You tell me what grade you get. And we started and the first page was just pretty normal. And then as we went on, we discovered that pages two, three, four, five, six, and seven basically all said the bomb fell and fell and <laughs> fell and fell. That's an old trick. Yeah. So the kid had just written that over and over. Well, length means nothing if you didn't write anything, right? Yeah. So sometimes in our minds we think, okay, my kid's getting older. He should be able to write a longer paper. She should be writing this type of, like she should be writing an essay instead of a story. But there's a lot more to writing than just length or what type of paper they're doing. So these rubrics can just kind of be your guide, both for you and for your kids, to help you know what you're looking for within a genre, what makes a strong paper. And so you can use that to help you know where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are, things like that. I also feel like the exercises, no matter which one you pick, at least for me, my kids are improving and growing no matter which one I pick. Like they're improving something. So if I don't have anything specific in mind, they're still growing as writers and they're still learning new skills, especially because I haven't been especially effective at teaching writing in the past. And so they kind of have to learn everything, you know, in a sense. Well, when I wrote all of the writer's workshop units, what I attempted to do is break down the process of writing each of these genres. I began by saying, what skills does it take to write a report? And I turned those skills into a series of a lot of different exercises. So instead of your kid writing six reports during the reports and essays, they're gonna be doing a lot of exercises that build the skills and those lead up to one report. Does that make sense, Michelle? Yeah. Like, they don't have to write six reports to build the skills. They're going to build the skills in small doses to enable them to write one report that is scored. And and that has been really, really effective for my kids because the little exercises are not intimidating. And you don't like normally in school, at least this is how I remember it. Your teacher would teach you all of the skills kind of in a big lump. And then you're supposed to put them all into one paper all at once. That's how it felt. And with this approach, you're actually writing, but you're only focusing on transition words, for example, or making a good solid paragraph. You know, you're focusing on that one particular thing and the exercises help them do that. And then it once they get to the paper, if there is a skill that we didn't learn because I didn't do that exercise or I felt like they had already learned enough skills, then I just don't really count that as part of my grading, if that makes sense. Like it, I it's let kind it slide of like, a little. It's kind of like the kid who hasn't learned the comma rules yet, or my little son who wrote me the sweet note without periods. That was the point he was at then, and it doesn't all have to be graded. I remember our older brother talking to me a long time ago about he was helping his son write a paper, and he was in junior high, and he said, I don't know how to help him without writing at an adult level. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I end up feeling. Yeah. And you really have to take each thing that your child writes and then look for a couple of things that they can improve. A couple of things that you're going to change to help them grow instead of rewriting their whole thing for them because that they don't learn anything that becomes your writing you did that but they didn't learn anything and they feel stupid yeah yeah (laughs) It, it actually is more damaging so instead you're kind of isolating small skills that it takes recognizing you know what my little one is not going to write a high school level paper maybe my high schooler isn't going to write a high school level paper right now as long as they're growing as long as you're finding small ways that they can grow. And if you're lacking on, I don't know what to teach, that's what the writer's workshop units are for. They are your outline for teaching all of the skills that are needed in that genre, followed up with a rubric that tells you exactly what you're looking for. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how I plan the units, Karen, and okay. you can, you can <laughs> critique my style. Okay, okay here so, we go. <laughs> so what I do is I actually will just grab out the book. that I, I have the units printed out, and they're in a three-ring binder. So I, I just pick out my binder out of my basket. I open it up. I have a bookmark, the kind that you can stick around the three ring binder and then you can pull them in and out really easily, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I move that bookmark along as I'm going through the unit. So wherever I'm at, I open up that spot just before the kids are coming in for writer's workshop or while we're gathering, you know, where mm-hmm. they're getting out their pencils and everything else. And I will open it up and I'll kind of look down the exercises that are on that page. And I'll look for one that I think looks interesting that will appeal to my kids and that teaches a skill that, I don't know, mostly do it based on, do I think the kids will like this or not? You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I pick because I want them to not hate writing. And so I'm trying to pick things that appeal to that appeal. Yeah. And then we just do it. And sometimes I do the mini lessons and sometimes I don't, it depends on how much time we have that day. And then sometimes a mini lesson actually turns into a whole exercise for us, just depending on what's going on, if that makes sense. And how much your kids might need to work on that concept. So in other words, I don't really plan. I'm pulling it out as I go. I don't plan either. My intention with writing these was really, I did the planning for you. My goal is that you don't have to plan. I hope that you don't have to plan. I tried to really only incorporate things that are generally household school supply type things. These aren't even as project based as like our layers of learning projects that require more supplies. Even with the main layers of learning, we try to use mostly household type things. But in writer's workshop, because it's writing oriented, it's mostly a variety of papers and writing utensils. Yeah, that is what it is. And so you shouldn't have to Sometimes there's a glue stick or scissors, but that's about it. Yeah. In the writer's workshop guidebook, it does walk through some supplies that you should have on hand. But in general, these aren't things that require a lot of planning. And that's my goal is to have it so that you can sit down and open this book and just start using it. Okay, so then you were talking about how you write down in your planner, Karen, as you're going through it, like while your kids are sharing their writing, you'll be writing things in your planner. So, or or maybe while you're doing the mini lessons or the exercises, you're writing things in your planner. You want to know like what I write? Yeah. Okay, so... Let's say, I'm, I'm just going to open this real quickly. I'm looking at an exercise called personification. And in this exercise, it teaches that personification is giving human characteristics to something that is not human. Like the field of grass danced in the wind. Well, grass doesn't dance. That's something that humans do. 
but when I say the field of grass danced in the wind, I'm using personification. That's a really common way to describe things in writing, and it's a fun way. As you go through this, it gives you other examples of personification. And this is this is essentially kind of a script that you can read to your kids, or at least reference as you're explaining the concept, right? Yes. Okay. Very much so. I, many of the writer's workshop exercises, I read to my kids out loud. I'll stop and ask them if they have any ideas, and we turn it kind of into a conversation. But it's very much written in a an easy-to-implement way without any preparation. You can just kind of read it to your kids. It includes examples and things like that very easily. But later on in this personification exercise, it says, In your journal, make a list of nouns that aren't human. They can be places, things, or animals, like my house, my pet goldfish, the roller skates, loneliness, a board game, pride, our campsite, the desert, a map, my cell phone, clouds. So you can use those straight out of the unit, or you can have them come up with even more given those examples. I would probably ask my kids, can you think of anything like that? And they would write some of their own. Then think of some verbs that describe things people have done. Yawned, played, sang, jumped, ached, swung, shouted, stood up, relaxed, moaned, whispered, ate, threw a tantrum, clapped. So those are all verbs that people do. And then you're going to start to choose a noun from your list and a verb from your list and write your own examples of personification. So my kids are going to do that and I'm going to watch them writing and talk about what they're doing as we're going. Remember, everything we do in our homeschool is very conversational and out loud because we have a family school. So as they're writing, I might notice something as simple as oh, they misspelled that word. And so I have my planner sitting there all the time in our homeschool, and I might jot down that they misspelled that word. And that gets added to their spelling word work for the next week. I might notice that one kid is failing to identify nouns. He wrote down an adjective when I told him to write down a noun. Well, that means we probably need to address that. And there may be times where you jump in and intervene right then, but even if you do, you should probably turn that into a lesson for another day too. So I'll just jot down in my planner, review nouns. And it might be as simple as the next day we do a Mad Lib and, and review what nouns are, or you know, I might just have them brainstorm nouns together on the whiteboard for our mini lesson tomorrow, but I'll forget if I don't make a quick note in my planner. So I just notice anything that I see as, oh, they didn't understand that, or it's a weakness. And instead of letting it interrupt our lesson entirely, it just becomes the mini lesson for another day. So I just make notes as I notice little things. I might notice something like this kiddo is like deteriorating in his handwriting. It's just getting sloppy, going too fast and getting sloppy. And instead of criticizing all the time, I'll just make that be a mini lesson for another day. And we'll talk about why do you think it is important that we have neat and tidy handwriting when we write? What's the purpose of that? And then you'll do a quick practice sheet or something. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be any big thing. It could be something like, hey, we did a personification lesson and that was a f like last week maybe. And now in the descriptions, they're not including any personification and I want them to. So I might like make a note that says, hey, have them add personification to their description somewhere. 
It might be as simple as that. Like it's not necessarily a weakness. So your planner includes notes that you've jotted about things your kids need to improve. Mm -hmm. Do you also write down the exercises you've done or do you ever write down the exercises you want to do in the next few days or do you plan that stuff out? I in particular will write down an exercise if I feel like, oh, I want to remember to touch on that again. Like that personification example. If I am going to ask them in their project, their writing project for the month to make sure that they include personification somewhere because we did that, then I'll probably write myself a note because if I don't, I'll forget. So I just make a little note saying personification, include it in the writing project this month so that we can just kind of jump back to it and remember, hey, as you're writing, let's make sure that we add somewhere in there an element of personification. So that's like backwards planning kind of. Yeah. Like, but like you're, keep, you're keeping track of what you've done so that you can know where to go forward and what to assess your kids on later. And you so are on. not going to do every single exercise in a writer's workshop unit. You're not supposed to. In the month. Right? You're not supposed to. So it's just like my note to myself to help me remember where we've been so that it can continually be incorporated because they're really going to learn it when we've repeated it a few times, when we've been over it a few times. So it's not like you're failing if you haven't made notes in your planner, but as you begin to do it, you'll start to notice things more and more. It's something that when you jump in and begin to write yourself notes, you'll go, oh, that's really useful. That I would really have forgotten to ever go back to that personification lesson if I didn't just make myself a note. So I need to work on that, actually, because <laughs> I am not writing notes. And maybe that's part of the reason why I'm not noticing the things in my kids writing because I'm not making an effort to write it down. Like maybe I actually did notice it, but I can't remember it because that was yesterday. And you know, you really won't remember it. I mean, maybe some people could, but my mom brain won't remember it. I have a <laughs> no. lot going on in my head and I'm teaching a lot of different subjects and it only takes me one second to jot a note down. And one of the things that I want to add, sometimes my notes are kid specific. Like he specifically misspelled this word she really needs a lesson on semicolons, you know, something like that. But pretty often our lessons are just everybody's going to get this mini lesson. We're going to review personification tomorrow because we learned it today. Yeah. Or I want to make sure I review this once a week before the major project because this is really important for them mm -hmm. to get right. Like maybe it's transition words when you're doing reports and essays or something. For sure. I mean, something like a topic sentence, if you're learning a paragraph. Yeah. You don't want to do one exercise on that and then think... Drop it and think they've done. just got it. Yeah. yeah. So your writer's workshop planner page is far more a note sheet for you to keep track of what you want to keep going over, look for in their writing, review with them, have a mini lesson on. It's a very dynamic version of a planner. It's not like I'm planning this meticulously and this is what we're doing. And then Instead, check, check, check. It's not. It's not that. Instead, it's just your note sheet for what you've covered, what you want to continue to go over, things like that. And you might jot down, oh, this is the next exercise or something. Like what I actually do is I write inside the writer's workshop unit where I've got the printed out pages. I put little stars next to the exercises that I want to do coming up. And sometimes that changes, you know, in a, in a few days I might decide, no, they really got that concept and we can skip that now. Or, you know, we just, we just decided to move on. But, mm -hmm. but the stars help me to kind of plan. All, all I do is just write a little star in there. And then I know, oh, I wanted to do this. Well, I will say this. The first month 
in my homeschool, it's much more planned. I use my planner and I actually figure out these are the exercises that we're going to do each day. Jumpstart is the one that we always begin with at the beginning of the school year. And the exercises in Jumpstart are very short for the most part. You can plan on, hey, we're going to finish this exercise in a day. A lot of the exercises in Writer's Workshop are things that you pretty much can do in a day, but not quite all of them. We have spent several days on some of them. Most of them are just one day. But there are times when we've spent like up to a week. Like my kids, we were doing descriptions and instructions. And I wanted them to do a good job of describing something. I think we did a recipe. And so I was allowing them to develop their own recipes. Like they, they were experimenting in the kitchen for several days before we ever actually wrote anything. Yeah. And that's not so, going to get done in a day. Yeah. That's not going to get done all. in a day. So, so that kind of thing like sometimes can, can take off and actually doing the experimenting in the kitchen was not part of the exercise, but that I knew would draw my kids in cause they enjoy cooking and to have them invent their own recipe was the motivation to write it down. Because if it's a recipe they're just copying, why, why bother? You, you know? gave them a reason to write. Yes. But with jumpstart specifically, I do more planning partly because it's really easy to do. Just go through and day by day, write down the exercises that you're going to do during that first month of the school year or, you know, the whenever first, you're starting, whenever you're starting, that jumpstart is training your kids. It's also training you. So go ahead and start by planning meticulously on your planner page, recognizing that the goal is to evolve past that. So I think that's kind of true. Whenever you're starting a new curriculum, you have to learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. And Jumpstart is nice because it's intended to be the starting point. No matter how old kids are, no matter at what point in the school year you're at, if you're just beginning with Writer's Workshop, that's where you want to start is with Jumpstart. It taught my kids to not hate writing because we had been in the mindset that writing is hard and then Jumpstart turned it into, oh, writing is just communicating and I can get my ideas down and it's fun. Yeah, so go ahead and begin in your planner with choosing an exercise for each day, there's a spot in the planner that says day one, day two, day three, day four, and day five. You're going to write down exactly what you're going to do for each exercise. And then at the top is kind of the spot for the mini lesson. On each page, you'll notice the mini lessons right by the exercises. And pretty often, the mini lessons themselves kind of correspond with the other things that are on the page. So it's really easy to find a mini lesson that goes with the exercise that you're doing. Sometimes so, they're just mechanics or other things like that, but yeah, but you can choose any of them and yes. you're not going to fail. You're not going to be wrong. So right. go ahead for the first week, two weeks up to a month, go ahead and plan out your daily tasks. If that makes you feel better about it, that's totally fine. But as you're doing it, recognize how in the future you're going to change this method as your kids grow as writers, because you're taking your cues from them, from their ideas and their writing. And truthfully, I would really be sad to hear that somebody said, my kid was loving doing this exercise and they got so into it, but I planned a different exercise for the next day. So they quit that and we started the new one. If they're loving it, you definitely shouldn't be stopping them. Even if a one-day exercise lasted five days, if they're writing all five of those days, then they're growing as writers. Okay, this brings up a question, though. If you have multiple children, how do you arrange that time-wise so that 
you can keep on track. Like you have one kid that's really into this thing or they're just a little bit slower maybe and it's taking them multiple days to get through an exercise and the others are all done. I mean, how do you handle that? Well, as the month progresses, my kids become more and more individual in writer's workshop. For example, when they are choosing their writing project, they don't all choose the same writing project. I don't think they've ever chosen the same writing project. They go back and they choose an exercise that they particularly enjoyed. They expand on it and turn it into their project. That's usually how it happens. Sometimes they choose something from the idea bank and start from scratch. They might see something in the fanciful stories idea bank that they go, oh, I want to write a story about that. So if an exercise didn't spark, then I would say about two weeks into the unit, I'm kind of starting to steer my kids to be thinking about what they want their writing project for that month to be. Whether they're choosing something that they loved that we started and they want to spend more time or whether they're just selecting something out of the idea bank or taking something that they did in a journal entry or something like that. But I'm kind of starting to say, have you guys thought about what you want your writing project to be this month? Some kids get really excited and find something even earlier than that. But I would say in general, I use about two weeks of, hey, let's practice the skills for this genre. And then the last two weeks, we're a little bit more focused on the writing project and applying those skills to what they're doing. So they're not all going to be doing the same thing. We still have the mini lesson together. We often will have an exercise together. But it doesn't always mean that all of my kids are working on exactly the same thing. We're all writing. We're all sitting around the table together. But they don't have to be doing the exact same exercise as the other kid. So you can have your others move on. Or if they liked it, they could do it again, depending on yep. on what it is. So it's okay to have them... They can the, be working on different exercises. Again, this is all pre-written for you. So it's not hard to just grab it and implement it with a kid. I definitely have had times where I had like a son get really excited about something and a daughter who is like, no, I don't want to do that one. That's not a big deal. They're their own person. They are their own writer. And if something doesn't strike them, that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm going to say you're off the hook. You don't have to write anything today. It just means they might choose something different. As long as we're all writing and we share the experience at the table together too. Like they often share... They love to read aloud what they've written. and Yeah, Garrett, right now, we're in, like I said, we're in fanciful stories at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we have been doing the exercises. And so far, we've gotten through characters and we're a little bit into plot. And he has started kind of planning a story from the very beginning. Like he's been working on this one story, right? And it's mm-hmm. sort of developing. The story is developing little by little as we do the exercises. And he does not want to share it with anyone because he wants <laughs> it to be a surprise. He's he's sure that we we must all be surprised. I'm like, Garrett, it's okay to, you know, brainstorm with other people because he's getting stuck. And I'm like, ah, oh. but... <laughs> But he wants to make a surprise story. But he wants to make everyone. a surprise story for everyone. And so that's a little bit tricky. But it's been it's been fun. We've been really enjoying it. But that's really, really cool how he has the project in mind as you're learning the skills yeah. and he's able to apply it. So that's why I said I really would hesitate for you to just plan out the whole unit and write down every exercise because you just don't know when your kids are going to be ready to start their project. Right. It's it's hard to tell when will they have their characters developed and be ready to move on to plot. When will they have their plot 
kind of outlined and be ready to talk about setting next. I know you talk about them in month long, but yeah, I actually take longer than that. I've, and that's I've, fine. I have taken longer than that on all of the units so far. I think maybe I'm doing a lot more exercises than you might because it's all new and my kids have so much to learn and it's so interesting, but I realize we can use it again next year, you know, or, or in two years, depending, you know, but the great thing is because it's their own writing, even if you've done that exact exercise the year before, you'll actually find that you can do it again because they'll have a new character that they're applying the lesson to. When you go over settings, for example, they're going to have new ideas for settings that they're writing about the next time they go through fanciful stories. And it doesn't matter that you've done the exercise because their writing of it is going to change. Yeah. And, and actually they're going to learn something different from it because they're at a different point in their life and in their writing skill level and all that kind of stuff. So even if you do the same exercise, they're going to learn a new aspect of it. Like, like this time, Garrett it does not want to use archetypal characters in his fanciful stories. Mm -hmm. But next time, he might. He might decide to go that direction. And maybe next time I went around to that, I would actually do archetypal characters first so that we could base our other characters around that. You know, I, I might change the order up. Yeah, it's really, really flexible. And the more you get into using it, the more you'll see, oh, that's how it flexibly applies without me planning at all. You really don't need to decide ahead of time even what exercise you're going to be doing because hopefully you do have all those supplies on hand and you're just going to open it up and start. And then the next day, you're either going to continue with what you were doing the day before if they didn't get a chance to finish, or you can move on and you're just going to scan through it and say, you know what, this one looks fun. Okay, so one of the things that I like actually is flexibility. And I like that you don't have to plan. I also like that I don't even plan how long it's going to take to do a unit. I don't decide ahead of time, we're going to spend six weeks on this. I kind of play it by ear. I just see how long it takes. I mean, we might spend three months on fanciful stories if my kids get really into writing stories. But they might be done with it, you know, after a few weeks. It just depends. I don't even plan how long we're going to spend writing that day. I think I've mentioned before when I've spoken about Writer's Workshop that it comes right before our lunchtime. So for me, the length of time that we spend on Writer's Workshop depends entirely on how long the rest of the morning took us. And it's completely fine if you don't finish an exercise in a day because you just close it up and you start it the next day. It's intended to be really, really super flexible because creative pursuits are and writing is a creative pursuit. You just kind of go with the flow and keep going the next day and keep going the day after that. And little by little, you will watch your kids grow in these skills and in their creativity. And it's in little tiny doses in writer's workshop. So you might choose a lot of little doses and that's why your unit lasted three months, Michelle. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> or you might say, you know what? We're not feeling fanciful stories right now. Let's move on to reports and essays. It's really, really flexible, and it should be. Okay, so basically, Writer's Workshop, first of all, is flexible, and it's an open-and-go kind of program. It's already planned for you. You just have to grab it out, open the book, scan for something that looks interesting, and go. It doesn't matter so much exactly which skills you're picking or what order they're in. It's just all about little by little, getting confidence and gaining skills and just improving your writing. And, and that happens in an organic way. It doesn't have to be in a linear way. It's not like you have to learn A before you learn B. 
So that allows you to just pick whatever exercises you want and go with it. And I, I really like that flexibility. It's been fun. Yeah. I think it's really important when you're teaching writing to young kids in particular to recognize that it is a series of a lot of tiny, tiny skills. Too often we ask kids to put everything together to be able to have perfect handwriting and perfect punctuation and perfect spelling and perfect organization and perfect everything in order to slap a grade on it. And that's not what we're looking for in writer's workshop. Instead, you're looking at continual tiny bits of growth. And that comes through these little mini lessons and little exercises in really organic ways. And it's effortless. Like, obviously, there's a little bit of effort put into writing, but for the kids to learn the next step, it feels fun. It doesn't feel like work to them most of the time because the exercises are so engaging. If you break down the skill into a tiny enough piece, it doesn't feel hard. But when you add up all of the tiny pieces together, they grow by leaps and bounds. Thank you so much. And Karen, we're so grateful to you for writing Writer's Workshop. It's been fun. I've loved it. I, I'm glad that we're getting a lot of really fun feedback from families who are enjoying writing for the first time in their homeschool. So it's been really rewarding for me too. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family-style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.